0: chat your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's my name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's grad chat of course a show like this could not happen without the support of the school of graduate studies and postdoctoral affairs as well as CFRC so thank you very much to both of them now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CFRC Podcast. So, no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing today. Though I am delighted to introduce you to David Rodriguez, who is doing a Master of Science in Aging and Health. Welcome to GradChat, David.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Colette.
0: It's really good to have you. And, you know, it's really nice. I've had a few people from Aging and Health come on and I always find it fascinating because yes. for me, when I think Aging and Health, I think, yeah, we're all getting older. <laughs> we need to all start thinking, you know, the Canadian population is, is getting older and we need to start thinking now. May even be a bit too late, but better late than never, I guess. Thinking about what do we need to do for our ageing population to make life good for them all, all the way to the end, so to speak. And that's probably not the best way of saying it, but that's what I'm going. (laughs) That's how I sort of (laughs) envisage uh, what ageing and health is all about. So before we actually get into what you're do, you've been doing in your Master of Science. Can you give us a bit of a background of where, where you've come from and, and then what led you to come to do this particular program?
1: So I'm from Hamilton, Ontario. I was born and raised here. I did my undergraduate degree at McMaster University and my undergraduate degree was in the life sciences program. Okay. I guess it was, a little, it was a little bit different. I didn't do four years. I actually did five years. And my fifth year, my undergrad was dedicated to do my honours thesis in science communication and also Perfect. just having some interning years. Throughout my entire time through high school and my undergrad, I actually worked in long-term care. I've worked in long-term care for over eight and a half years. Okay. So that kind of you know, inspired me to work with the elderly. It formed my passion and it became my niche, this demographic. And ultimately I focused a lot of my extracurricular activities and now my academics having applied for and now completed the MSC in Asian and health.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? The things that we do through high school and that, and it can, it can still carry forward that interest. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can imagine working in long-term health care is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. And particularly, I mean, if you've been doing it the last eight years, that was also through COVID, which, as we know yes. from the reports and things that went on, was not a particularly great time for people living in those no. homes. So... Um, you know, how, how did you find that yourself? Were, were you still allowed to work during that period of time yourself?
1: Oh, yeah. like I usually am considered a part-time worker right. at the old age HM, home. But during COVID, I was working. I remember on my summer off, I was working every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day, I was walking in, I was getting tested, and all the PPE we had to wear and whatnot. And it was just absolutely insane you know, that really exposed me to a lot of, like, impacts of inadequate health protocols and policies, right. and also poor poor treatment practices, health and gender inequalities also, and also social disparities. Um, I found there's a lot of light shed on that, and there's a lot of gaps that need to be filled through global and public health work, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: That's why, you know, I think programs like this are really, really important,
1: because um, mm-hmm. even
0: with I know the Master of Science is not a long time to do a huge project, but it's still helpful to go and, and I, I sort of see it more of looking back of what's been happening, what have people said to date, and then let's collate that all because maybe it's never been collated. So there's some good ideas and all sorts of different documents and things. For sure. And then, let's, and then let's bring that together and come up with something constructive that we could use moving forward, whether that's just – getting the ball rolling or Mm -hmm. here's some ideas let's let's do it kind of yes so for
1: sure i think in a time like this right now especially with science communication it just really really shows how much we need to be careful with what we say and how we approach certain situations like using the word pandemic for example
0: yeah yes yes And and i i know you mentioned then with your science communication background as well it's it's really relevant too to you know, whatever you find, of like you said, how now do we communicate that, and and who to? You know, who's the message going to? But it's it's yeah. really important how we talk about this to different groups.
1: A hundred percent,
0: David. Let's talk about your research topic because I've under I understand that you did what's called a scoping review, which is as I kind of alluded to, where you're looking at the literature and seeing what's being done before and then coming up with some ideas etc or something to to pass on and you did yours on dentures and their nutritional impact in older adults which is a fascinating title not many people start thinking let's you know let's do some research on dentures but um of course it's got the extra part too and as we know as we get older our teeth aren't necessarily the best and the longer we get older and depending on what year you were born in sometimes your teeth get worse than others um, I'm a classicist and I've got to admit I was I was born in England and, and at a time when you know dental health wasn't fantastic and and mm-hmm. unfortunately I paid the price for it but <laughs> but things are getting better now and I think you know th- things for the younger generation in terms of dent- or dental oh, yes is a lot better but the age group that you're looking at right now I totally get why that's an important part so can you give us just a bit of an overview of what you were trying to accomplish in uh, this scoping review and why so yeah
1: so basically when I was choosing a topic I kind of was trying to look at like what's something that was important that I've seen that I know I can really focus my efforts onto and actually have almost like anecdotal evidence as well through my own observations right. and working in long-term care. That's something that I saw with, which is major chewing problems amongst older adults. Uh-huh. So when I was looking at an idea, I thought, you know, through my own observations, I've seen older adults struggle with their ability to eat and obviously having lots of primary literature already looking at it, I felt it was important to focus on this topic to provide a better and more simplified understanding of this relation and basically to develop targeted intervention for older adults with tooth loss to help prevent malnutrition and improve their nutritional status.
0: And and I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it is a two-pronged attack, isn't it? If you don't have teeth, Mm -hmm. it makes it very difficult to chew. Yes. Um, Even though I've seen some people do very well without any teeth and still manage, but it's getting the right nutrients. Yes. The second part of that is the diet. And to stay healthy, you need good nutrition. So you need your teeth to stay healthy as well. Yeah.
1: Um, And it's just like as a result of aging, you know, due to physiological decline, you know, older adults are right, at an increased risk of experiencing suboptimal health and nutritional status just because you get older, you eat less. And right. you know, on top of that, now having that second layer of loss of natural dentation, so your loss of your natural teeth, that's directly going to change your diet. And now it's going to increase and further exacerbate you know malnutrition or systemic illness that you have. Mm-hmm. And that's going to lead to just the avoidance of foods in general as you continue to age when you have a denture. So it's really, it's a detrimental, it's like a rolling snowball effect.
0: Right. Maybe I can ask you, because having not been into many of these homes, uh, do you find, without going into the other, uh, more in depth with the other questions, do you find in general that the easiest thing to do right now or what is being done right now is... Just give them a soft food diet, which doesn't necessarily, again, have the nutrients in it. It's just, let's just make it simple and just get, as long as they've got something in their stomach, they'll be fine.
1: Yeah, in the long-term care, lots of the things I would see through the dietitians when they do their dietitian <laughs> assessments, lots of them will do like a palate assessment, esophageal swallowing, and they'll kind of assess to see if they should be what's called a regular diet, like you and I would eat regular textured foods, a right. mint diet, where... They have the same food as us. It's basically chopped up really, really small and then a puree diet. And you'll be surprised to see how many residents I've fed that have a denture and they're still eating pureed foods because they still have the challenges of eating minced food with a conventional denture, which is like the traditional dentures we see. So it's quite surprising. Yes.
0: Well, uh, yes, yeah, but it It is surprising and uh, clearly some of the work that you're going to do is going to sort of help with that. So let's go to your first question and you've answered some of this, but I'd like you to expand a little bit if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Why was this topic so important for you to conduct and why do you think this is an important area of research?
1: So... Again, going back to the idea of like working a long term care home, that really sparked that idea of what I need to focus on. And, you know, through my own literature and research, you know, 48% of older adults aged 65 to 74 globally are either completely or partially dentalists. So they have no teeth or only some teeth. Oh, is
0: that nice? a percentage?
1: It's quite a high percentage. Mm-hmm. And again, as a result of aging, like we talked about, and already having, you know, pre existing health conditions or health challenges you're at an increased risk of more and a greater risk of malnutrition when you don't have teeth. Mm-hmm. And oral healthcare professionals will, you know, use the dentures, which I'm sure everyone knows what they are. they removable artificial fed devices. You know, use your teeth geography to kind of custom make natural teeth. And I think the assumption is that possessing a denture means you can just eat automatically perfectly fine like how you did in your normal state. And that's far from the truth. Right. Oftentimes people report pain uh, there's reported pain and eating denture related sores. There's the movement of the denture, which is like ill fitting. So stability and retention. You have a sore mouth actually reduced flavor perception of foods. And overall you have a limitation in foods. So I wow. thought that, you know, primary literature has already looked at this and, you know, what different criteria they've assessed. So I thought it's good to strip it down to a very basic understanding of just conventional dentures.
0: Um, if I heard correctly, you talked about, you know, the 45% or whatever it is, but worldwide. Why don't you just look at what's happening in Canada? Because that's, that's an air. I mean, Canada, you have a better chance of changing policy or, or processes. Mm-hmm.
1: I felt that like, I felt looking at it through a global lens was more important just because on the dental care across the world is very different. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to see that. If maybe some countries have more better dental care plans or more better denture technology, that's right. maybe more feasible for them. What's something that I can almost take and kind of, you know, insert into Canada, into our policies. Right. So I felt it was good to see on a global scale, how many are completely or partially dentalists. What are they doing? Let's say in England, for example, like from where you're from and what's something that we can almost learn from them. If there is something that's different.
0: Did you find anything like that?
1: No, I didn't. I ended up with <laughs> <on Canada. laughs> uh,
0: That's a shame. <laughs>
1: when, we, when we get into, like, the idea of, like, the costs, i more focused on Canadian costs.
0: Right, right, which makes total sense. Yeah. We've yeah, got, yes. got to keep it realistic, don't we, at times, too. Yeah. But, but I, <laughs> I think you're right, though, looking at the global, because you look at, dare I say, some of the elderly living in some other countries, they may not seem to have a lot of food, but it is nutritious, and which is yeah. and and maybe some of it's their lifestyle as well. But they live live longer, um, mm-hmm. but they're still strong enough to to eat and to walk and you know carry heavy loads and you know those sorts of things. So there's something about that, but they may not necessarily have all the best technologies or, or yeah. health plan but they compensate in other ways yes
1: for sure um,
0: it's interesting to see some of that
1: i totally agree with that i feel like western culture which we know we're a part of is very um go 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 and very pushes the medication and technology route very easily as the first step for a preventative measure rather than looking at things more holistically i think i think Outside of this topic, I think my personal opinion is that we need to approach things more holistically and not always pushing, like, Mm -hmm. the pharmacology way or the intervention, you know, technology way. We need to really, like, focus on, like, basics, you know. They did it hundreds of years ago. We can still do it today. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Exactly. We we kind of forget how things used to be. Not that they were all terrific, but there was good – good uh, processes there that you know maybe we need to re-look at again as you as you said I agree so you also mentioned you know why did you look mentioned about conventional dentures and not state-of-the-art dentures that now exist I mean what what are the two differences is it to do with um, state-of-the-art is made made to measure so to speak as opposed to conventional you need some extra teeth here you go (laughs) that's probably very simplistic but that's that causes the other problems right of not fitting properly and sores
1: for sure so like conventional or the traditional dentures is like what you see they're plopped inside a cup of water it has like that gum you just push in your mouth and it sucks up to your gum line. Right. The state of the art dentures um that you're referring to are like dental implants and the over dentures that kind of clasp in and stick oh, in. I
0: see okay.
1: So the over dentures, um these types of devices on a whole are very costly. Mm-hmm. And on the grand scale, when you're looking at the average individual who require denture, it's not feasible for them to afford it. And especially if they do not have insurance coverage are force to pay of pocket, I mean, who's going to ask a seven year old man for $30,000? Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not going to, and a lot of insurance companies do not cover the type of material that dentists use to implant the screws, the dental implants, which is titanium because it's so costly. Uh, I so, see. so traditional dentures to me, it was important to look at that because that's what people are going to use right away. You know, that's mm-hmm. the typically ones that the average individual will go through. So when you're looking at the cost of it in Canada, a single dental implant. So like one single insert can range from 1000 to 5,000 for one for wow. a single tooth, very expensive, a traditional denture. Like let's say you do the whole top and bottom. It can range from that same price, like $2,000 drastically different in price ranges so obviously you need dentures you're going to go for the conventional type
0: it's interesting just from that topic there traditional versus the state of the art and i know you a lot of it comes down to the cost and what health companies will pay back or not pay back mm-hmm. but you think in the long term <clears throat> even if they've got the traditional ones if you're seeing problems then it's going to cost them more in the long term for other health issues mm-hmm. so it's kind of a little bit backward of looking at it and not not that i think they should be paying for the cosmetic stuff but for quality of life there's a difference between cosmetic and really needing this to be able to eat <laughs> for um, sure there should, there should be a little bit more there
1: and what happens is because let's say you do have a partial denture and which means you do have remaining teeth mm-hmm. you know the top three You know the top reasons we lose our natural teeth is because of the decay gum disease and fracture of our teeth when you have an implant it does not decay we do not see a fracture of the implants
0: right. if
1: the treatment's performed properly so you know having a tooth like that you know the longevity of it is significantly better and compared to the conventional denture where you get those mouth sores you get the um, movement you get the ill-fitting dentures and you have a denture implant it's very very identical to a permanent tooth
0: so, so you have found out where we're sitting right now mm-hmm. so what's next i mean what are you hoping to do to who who are you wanting to give information to is it to the long-term care facilities are saying look if you if you're If the people staying at your home can only afford this, you need to work more with the dietician of finding Mm -hmm. more quality food so that they keep healthy and don't get some of the other bits. Or are you working with the dentist saying, um, trying to talk to the dentist directly and saying, these need to fit better? Why are they getting these sores? or not being able to eat correctly because it's hurting, which to me means it's not fitted correctly or not the right size. So, is there a a, a different way of being able to size things up properly? Because let's face it, as we get older, things start to shrink as (laughs) (laughs) well—not just height, but sometimes I know you know people who do wear dentures; that it seems like their face sort of folds in unless they've actually got the denture so i'm wondering what happens on the inside there
1: yeah when we lose our when we lose our teeth the bone in the area atrophies so like it shrinks like you said and it shrinks in both width and the height of the of it. so that happens very rapidly in like the first six months and then throughout your life as you're kind of waiting for your denture if you don't want to get one because only missing a couple teeth here and there it continues to, to shrink over time and the right. bone itself, the jaw and the bone, is like a muscle. If we exercise it, we maintain its muscle mass. Right. And if we stop it, we lose it. So we need to really, you know, get that denture in there and get your, you know, chewing function, masticatory function. It's called to maintain that muscle strength in that bone.
0: So what do you want to happen next? You you you've so, found the facts. So what what happens next, or is it just gonna sit somewhere? And go, yeah, yeah, I did that.
1: I feel like in the so in the nursing home when you have what's the dietitian assessing the therapeutics and whatnot, I feel like we need to better gauge how we approach food textures for the older adults. Because again, going back to the idea that they're puree and they have a denture and they're in a puree item doesn't make sense. So I feel like the type of textures that we're using needs to be more refined. Now, on the grand scale of things, I think oral healthcare professionals, so dentists and dental hygienists, need to ensure that they're implementing as part of their patient care regimen screening practices to evaluate the risk of malnutrition. And that's because they're kind of like the first healthcare professional, because they know they're an oral healthcare professional, um, to examine other oral factors that affect food consumption. So I think God. ensuring the standardizing of this practice will aid in early detection and treatments to help improve oral health and prevent tooth loss and oral disease, which they already do. But dentists need to be more active, I think, also in referring their patients to dietitians themselves. You know, God. dietitians are nutrition counselors and lost them focus or have specializations with older adult to possess a denture to help them adapt. Um Part of dietitian's actually assessments is they look at tooth loss because they know that inf- they know that affects health and chewing ability and food consumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going back to the idea that di- uh, do- uh, dentists need to be more active in referring to dietitians because they know what needs to be done when assessing for optimal nutritional status, and like I said, they know that number of teeth affect that. Right. On the grand scale of things, if we're going to get really wide, I think we need to work towards making a standard for all patients who require a denture to receive a dental implant. Again, it's very costly. And I'm sure, you know, companies don't want to, you know, spend that much money, but it's, you know, it's a big limitation when you use traditional dentures and it's, you know, being seen that. And I think that on a grand scale having implant dentures as the standard as the conventional denture now is what's needed,
0: and I think that would be really nice. Um, I think we might be naive to think we could even get there, but yeah, <laughs> uh, which is which is a sad thing to say. But you know, it would be nice if we could. But I think I liked your idea of you know a lot of the health professions work really well when they're in a team. Yes. So, You know, you have the doctor, you have the physio or the OT, and you know they're working together on on a problem to help another person be able to get out there and function correctly the the same should happen as you said with dentists and nutritionists because it's all to do with the mouth etc nutrition is not going to be great if we can't actually get it down into our stomachs so what do we need to do to be able to do that and and then dentures or not if they're not comfortable and they've got sores and they you know it, it hurts to eat that's going to make even more even more issues. So this notion of, of, of having a team would mm-hmm. be really important. And I think uh, I think also the the long term care facilities have a role to play in this too, because they should be part of that team. They're seeing what's going on from a day to day perspective, so they yes. should be looking for those little red flags. You know, why isn't so, why are they leaving so much on their plate every day? Because um, mm-hmm. some some people won't speak up or can't speak up. So, you know, they need to be more alert on that part as well and you know, I think we need to bring in, whether it's the dentist or the nutritionist and let's start kind of like a triage type thing of, you know, what what can we do because we need, need this person to stay healthy.
1: Yes. I love the idea of the triage and actually having, you know, rather than sending, I would think the resident to the dental office. Why don't you bring the dentist to the long-term care home and the dental hygienist and have this, and you know, have the assessments done in there. It's just little things like that, that create more accessibility. I think it's also an accessibility issue in a way a little bit too, makes it a lot easier to evaluate things more quickly and it leads to quicker prevention also.
0: And as long as, and this is the bit that always gets me sometimes in these long-term care facilities, there's really good ones that have everything, yes. but you pay an arm and a leg for them. Yep. And then there's the next level and then the next levels. So again, when we're talking equity and things like that, making sure that this isn't just for those that can afford it. We should be looking at our elderly population. And what can we do across the board for our elderly?
1: Yes. It shouldn't be a thing of cost, I think. I think a lot of insurance companies, you know, they try to, get things off with as uh, it's an experimental procedure or it's a cosmetic procedure cosmetic. is the, bi- is the, is the big one They go with saying that you'll need dental implants. It's more of a cosmetic procedure because conventional or traditional is the way it works. You still look good and you can still chew. Well, well there's a lot of you know, literature that's showing that, you know, there's a lot it's of issues with place. that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, there's a, the, there's a lot of that. And then I think that comes down to some of the other things Unrelated necessarily to your uh, topic itself, but your other stuff that you do when you're talking about your communication, science communication Mm -hmm. skills. You know, you've done quite a lot of that, as you said, in your undergrad, but it's all about the learning environment, education. Yeah. So I mean, if we can't get the health insurance companies and the policy makers to make change, what else can we be doing to sort of help that on that educational pedagogical side of things? So it's that communication part. Yes. So how would you use some of some of your background in that to help?
1: So I think the like having a background in science communication, I've learned to communicate science to different audiences for different purposes using different formats or outlets, whether it was a podcast or presentation. I think with science communication, a lot of when you're communicating information to whether it's a government health official, a public health official, a director of long-term care or a dentist, you know they're considered the lay audience too because wow. they don't necessarily know the information that you know. So going back to it, using kind of what I found my scope and review, having, using, wanted to find a simplified version of just conventional dentures, not looking at other comorbidities or other underlying health issues, which is a lot of times what professionals would say attributes to their lack of eating because they already have underlying health conditions. So to me, I wanted to make sure that when I present this information, it was simplified because I omitted underlying health conditions and comorbidities. This was simple, healthy individuals who just have conventional dentures and this is what's going on. If individuals at this level with no health issues are having these challenges, obviously people who have underlying health conditions and now dentures on top, it's just, it's going to plummet their nutrition. Mm -hmm. So having a simplified version to me was important to communicate and using obviously my expertise of science communication lay language and the formats that I use would make it easier to disseminate that information to them.
0: So what about educating the long-term care facility people themselves?
1: So to me, my main focus would be the dietitians before I would even attempt to get to directors in public health. And to me, it'd be more of an issue of explain to them the certain micro and macronutrients that are having problems with. So like macronutrients being like the proteins, the the carbohydrates and the fats, and micronutrients being like your vitamin A, B12, riboflavin, panatholic acid. So to me, I kind of wanted to present this information being like, here's X number of studies, which was like 15 studies I had I looked at. Here's all the micronutrients that they're lacking when they use a conventional denture, whether it's some ill-fitting, a partial right. denture, a complete denture. I'm also seeing this in our long-term care home. And this scoping review is done after I've seen this over eight years. So clearly something needs to change. Now right. we kind of present the literature to her. Yeah.
0: Well, that that's good. Because, I mean, I, someone like a nutritionist would listen to things like that more. Yes. More intently than maybe more than maybe a poly so (laughs) yes it's it's good to go right to the source of the people that could actually change it or or rethink about what they're what they're suggesting for long-term homes in terms of yeah what food is provided and for who
1: and for dietitians and nutritionists who are licensed i believe it's easier for them to go to the higher ups having that background with information i presented and they Mm -hmm. could carry forward rather than looking at me and being like oh you know, you're just a student, you're a master's student, you know, doing this research. But if I present to them and, you know, their expertise in this field, they're more inclined and more likely to get that attention from the higher ups to make the avid changes that need to be changed can until I, I get there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> can, I ask you, can I ask you a question which I probably should have asked you earlier? What are the dentists saying about all of this?
1: Dentists? So undoubtedly, dentists say that implant dentures are the best source and best form of technology to for functionality, comfort, and cosmetic appearance. They're aware of that, um, and they understand that it's very expensive. I think to them, the insurance companies, again, it's kind of pulling them back a little bit, too, because lots of individuals have to pay off-pocket for them, oh. and lots of the times they're just going to go with the conventional denture because like I said, they can't afford the dental implants and dentists understand that longevity and long-term success is with a dental implant and not a conventional denture. Again, they understand the challenges through insurance companies not wanting to provide it and the cost. And I'm sure there are dentists who are really pushing for like how how my idea was to have a dental implant as the conventional denture.
0: Right. But in, the, but in the meantime, if people still, mm-hmm. if the insurance companies do, don't do what we'd like them to do and, and people still don't have the funds, are the dentists being proactive and saying, you know what, let's make you a new set of dentures, conventional yes. dentures? Yes. Are, they, are they realizing when, you know, if someone, if, if the long-term care facility say, look, this client is still struggling with eating, can you do something else? Because clearly the dentures or something's going on inside their mouth That's not Mm -hmm. helping them eat properly. Are they being proactive on that to make suggestions?
1: And I'm sure there's patients that they have where the conventional denture, no matter how many iterations of it that they do to readjust the building functionality, it they just can't get there. So I'm sure they probably almost work with insurance companies or any outside source, um, to push for the dental implant because they've spent maybe five six years trying to get the conventional Mm -hmm. denture to work, and you know that's five six years of your life that you know your quality of life hasn't been good to eat yes so i'm sure dentists say no this is a rare case or a special case they need this because we've tried this x number of times and we just can't seem to get there i would uh, hope
0: yeah well and it's <laughs> interesting good patient too. care yes exactly well i mean and, and these days people are living longer yeah although it's interesting when i look at my uh My grandparents' generation—they all lived in their 90s plus—and you know, I'm not sure it's always going to that. But people are living longer. Um, The male population is living longer than they used to. I mean, females are always a little bit older than went a little older than the males, but the male population now is is living a little bit longer.
1: Yes.
0: But we're also with our lifestyles these days, particularly in the West, we have more health issues. (laughs) So, yes which always surprises me in terms of living you. longer the, the part of living longer when we have all these sort of health issues
1: yeah it's yes. so fun because we're in a westernized worlds we're globalized our accessibility to things and our feasibility of things is so readily available yet we seem to have more chronic issues acute issues Cute. obesity you know and I think it comes down to like the accessibility of things and you know not having to travel as much or you know do things like that that's that's, it's a double-edged sword
0: it is it is a double-edged sword (laughs) yeah it is so david what's next for you
1: so i originally was doing my phd at western i was doing rehabilitation science and i was actually focusing on aging and health however um i decided to to take some time back and i'm going to be applying to medical school the next following cycle And, you know, I guess it's pretty obvious my specialization. I want to be a geriatrician, a geriatric physician. So um, that's my plan for right now. And I'm just still, you know, working in long-term care. I'm still doing my additional extracurricular research and publishing. But for right now, my goal is MD.
0: MD that would be great because of your background uh yeah like you said when you know what niche area you want to get into that's pretty awesome some yes people don't, some people don't figure that out straight away when when they're going to med school so
1: no and it's a peculiar topic a lot of you know when I talk to other students and peers and colleagues who are in medical school or going into medical school they're like oh I want to go into cardiology or anesthetics I'm yeah. just like nope Help. I want to st- stay with the elderly, you know, and be by their side and advocate for them because That's they make great. up a significant portion of, you know, the population.
0: Correct. And it's
1: only going to increase from there with, you know, everyone retiring.
0: Yeah. Well, very, very true. Well, my hat off to you. And they're very lucky to have you in that area uh, of healthcare. So uh, best of luck with all of that. Thank you again for coming on. I really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Clef, for having me.
0: That's good. And that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CFRC Podcasts. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray.